following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Christian Life Austin. Hey, why don't you turn to your neighbor right now and just say, I love Christmas cookies. Hey, for those of you that don't know me yet, my name is Philip Daigle, and I'm the associate pastor here at Christian Life Austin, and I am so excited tonight to preach to you the word. In fact, I'm fired up, and you know why I'm fired up? Because this is an amazing house. This is an amazing place, and that's right. I think you should give yourselves a hand clap for that. This is an amazing house, and there's something so special about being connected to something that's bigger than you. And if you've been here the last month, you've seen some amazing things. We had an incredible At The Movies series that if you got to be a part of that, it was incredible. Then our Christmas performance that Pastor Brad was talking about. I just feel like God's doing something big here in this house. God's doing something big here at this church. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I get to play a part in what God is doing in this house. One more time, can we just put our hands together and say thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing It's always an honor to stand on this stage, and I give honor to Pastor Rex and Pastor Brad, amazing leaders who lead this house so well, and I'm so thankful that I get to preach to you tonight. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter number 2, and I want to preach to you a message that I have entitled, The Things That I Love About Christmas. The Things That I Love About Christmas. Luke chapter number 2, we're going to read two portions of Scripture, uh, Luke 2, and then we're going to jump to Isaiah Nine and six. Luke chapter number two, verse seven. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, because I bring you good news that you will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then jumping to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, a son is given to us, and the government is upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus, in your name, we're so thankful for your goodness. We're so thankful for who you are, and we're so thankful that on that Christmas day that you came to us, that we didn't have to go to you, and we just thank you for what you're going to do here in this place tonight. I thank you in advance, Jesus. I know that you're just getting started. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Me and my wife are in a kind of a crazy stage uh, of life. We have three boys uh, uh, that are five, almost three, and one year old. Uh, their names are Brady, 
Dean and Houston. And if you talk to me for just a short uh, period of time, you're going to hear about my sons. In fact, do we have a, a picture of, of my boys that we can all just... Yeah, there, there's real no reason for me to put that up there. I just wanted uh, everybody to see my kids. Um, these are my amazing boys, but uh, as amazing as they are, you know, sometimes uh, they, they change things about your life when you have kids. And we don't get to do a lot of fun things. In fact, I haven't been to the movies since I've moved to Austin. I, I feel like you guys should feel sorry for me. I just feel like, you know, my, thank you. That's all I was looking for, just a little sympathy. My wife doesn't feel bad at all, but thank you for feeling a little bit bad. But uh, I remember when we didn't have kids, and, and those, were some, those were some fun days. Um, we used to do things like go to the, go to the movies. Uh, we used to do things like uh, brunch. Anybody know what brunch is? You familiar with brunch? Yeah, all the millennial single people, that's cool. You know what that is. Once you've had kids, brunch goes away. Here's what brunch is. If you slept in long enough on a Saturday, you get up so late, you don't know what to do. You, you don't want to eat lunch because you haven't had breakfast, so you have brunch. Now I'm lucky to get anything as I walk by the like kitchen table as I'm holding kids and changing diapers. and I feel like you should feel more sorry for me right now. But we used to do things that we love, and one of the things that I love to do is I love to go to sporting events, and, and I love um, my Houston sports, and so I have three boys, but I would say, you know, Houston sports are very similar in the fact that I love the Rockets, I love the Texans, I love the Astros, and if you were to ask me which one I love the most, it'd be like asking me which kid I love the most. Like, I can't, I can't tell you that. I don't know. Like, sometimes I'm more proud of one than the other, but I love all three equally. They're all the same to me, and... One dream that I had when I got married is that I, I wanted to go to sporting events with my wife. And uh, one time I, I finally convinced her that I wanted to go to uh, a Texans game. Now, now, this was a big game, and if you know anything about the Texans, they've always struggled with their quarterbacks. Now we have Deshaun Watson, and he's going to turn the season around, turn our career. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. That's good. Um, but there was a time where we, we really struggled with our quarterbacks, and we had this guy named Matt Schaub, and he, he was not very good. I think it was because he was just completely bald. I'm sorry, you know, that's, I don't know, you know, he, it was just early on in his life. I feel like he should have had more hair. I don't know why, but as a quarterback in your 30s, I just feel like, you know, I don't know why that was important to me, but. I just didn't like, there was so much I didn't like about Matt Schaub. Is this being recorded? I hope it's not because we just, oh, it's recorded great. Um, anyways, so I didn't like Matt Schaub, but there was this new guy coming up, and his name was Case Keenum. And Case Keenum was the underdog, and I feel like me and Pastor Rex have this in common. We, we like the underdog. And Case Keenum, he wasn't even on the team. He was on the practice squad, and he wasn't even a quarterback on the practice squad. He was playing safety on the practice squad, not even on the team. But I had a dream that Case Keenum was going to be the savior for the Texans. Well, it just so happens that Matt Schaub got hurt. Um, then T.J. Yates got hurt, and they didn't have any choice, but they called up my boy, Case Keenum. So it's Sunday night. We're playing the Colts, and I convinced my wife to go to the game. And can I tell you, the city of Houston was hyped. They were ready for this game because Case Keenum, the hometown hero, was going to be the savior. And I'm telling my wife, I'm like, you don't even know about Case Keenum. Like, this guy, he can sling it. No one believes in him, but I believe in him. And this guy is going to get it done. You don't even know. And so we get to the game. 
Um, we get there right on time, like we're ready. We get right up to the place where we're going to get into the game, and we didn't realize that you couldn't have like a real purse, so then we had to go back to the car in the parking lot, so we're running late, and I'm stressed. I'm like, we got to get inside. So we finally get inside. We get to our seats. We sit down, and 10 seconds after sitting down, Case Keenum drops back. They run play action. For those of you that don't know what play action is, where they fake the handoff, drops back, and he throws the most beautiful bomb to Andre Johnson for a touchdown, like one minute into the game. And I had my wife, like, I remember she was wearing this sweater, like with a tiger on her or something. It was nothing Texans. I'm like, hey, we're at a football game. I had her by her sweater. I'm just shaking her. Like, we scored. You know what? I'm not doing a good job of describing it. Can we just roll the, can we just roll the, let's just roll it. Yeah. Throwing pick six in four straight is. games. Then he was hurt and inactive. In Kansas City. Meanwhile, Ben Tate is now in as the running back. Runs a boot to the right side. Wide open and down the field goes Andre Johnson for his first touchdown in a long time. I'm feeling pretty good. I don't even know why, but I have my wife by her sweater. I'm just shaking her. I'm like, we scored. He's doing it. Case Keenum is going to save the city. He's going to save the Texans. And we're high-fiving. We're chest-bumping. I mean, just me and her. We're not chest-bumping anyone else. That would be weird. But we're high-fiving. We're hugging people we don't even know. And there's such a buzz in the building. And, and like, <laughs> like five minutes after all of that, like it finally calms down a little bit. And Annie leans over to me, and she's like, what just happened? I was like, please, please don't uh, talk anymore the rest of the game. Uh, you represent me, and I just ask that you not do that anymore. Um, side note to all of that, we ended up losing the game. We went 2-14. and 14. It was an awful season. But we had a great time that night. But here's what's funny to me about that moment and about that night is that when me and Annie were about to walk into the stadium, they didn't stop. Annie at the door with her ticket before she went inside and says, hey, do you know what play action is? You know what play action pass is? Or do you know what a cover two defense is? Do you know what a deep post is? Or maybe a little slant? Do you know what a 20-yard out is? Do you know the game of football before you come to this game? No, no, they didn't actually ask her that. They said, welcome. I hope that you enjoy the game. Now, Annie didn't understand the weight of the moment of Case Keenum and the Colts and a Sunday night and all of these factors that I was all hyped up for. She was just there enjoying herself. Why? Because she was in the moment, she was in the atmosphere, and she was in the environment. She didn't truly understand what was going on, but that's okay because she was in the right environment. So many times we can come into church and we can lift our hands and we can enjoy the atmosphere. Hey, maybe even we sing the songs and clap our hands, but we don't really know what's going on. Maybe we can actually even experience the presence of God and, and experience who he is, but don't really have an understanding of who he is. But you know what, tonight I'm so thankful that even though I don't know everything about him, I don't have to know everything about him to love him. I don't have to know everything about who he is to enjoy him. I don't have to explain the mysteries of who God is. I can just walk in on a Wednesday night and lift my hands and walk into his atmosphere and walk into the right environment and experience the good of who God is but as thankful as I am that I don't have to know everything about him to love him 
I'm also so much more thankful that the more I know him, the more I love him. And here's what I know about Jesus. The more I love him, the more I want to know him. And the more I know him, the more I want to love him. And the more I love him, the more I begin to know I'm not here because of the goodness that's in me. I'm here because of the goodness that's in him. I'm not here because of what I've done. I'm here because of who he is. And when I think about the circumstances of my life, I see his hand in everything. I look back over my life and I should have seen pain. I should have seen destruction. I should have seen heartache. But you know what I see? I see mercy and grace running after me. I look back, I'm trying to do my own thing and Jesus saying, nope, my goodness is going to chase after you. I'm like Paul in the New Testament when he said, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Oh yeah, and by the way, I'm the worst. I'm so thankful that Jesus came to me. I'm so thankful that I didn't have to go to him, that on that Christmas morning that Jesus came to the earth for one reason and one reason alone, to reconcile humanity to himself, to close the gap, to do what we couldn't do on our own, to do what we couldn't do by ourselves. We were in darkness. We couldn't find our own way. But I love what John says in John chapter number one, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness. And the darkness couldn't comprehend it. But he came to his own and his own didn't even receive him. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power. That's me and you. To become the sons and the daughters of God. Tonight, you should be thankful. You don't have to earn it. You just need to receive it. And I'm so thankful that when Jesus showed up, when his light showed up in my life, it exposed who I was. But it showed me who he is. And I'm so thankful that he came into my life. I love how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Can somebody say amen? (laughs) And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Uh, Reconciliation is a really big word, big religious word. If you don't know what it is, here's what it is. Uh, Me and my wife dated off and on for like 12 years. Uh, That's going to be a relationship series we do another time. Don't worry about it. We'll just skip right past it. Just 12 years, no big deal. We'll just keep moving on. But sometimes during those 12 years, we would have some disagreements, um, <clears throat> some differing of opinion. <laughs> we weren't on the right page from time to time. This is not in our marriage. Like, we're always, you know, on the right page, seeing eye to eye, never a differing of opinion. <laughs> but when we dated, there would be some differing of opinion, and we would sometimes have to go our separate ways. But can I tell you how good the reconciliation was when we would come back together? You know what? I'm just going to keep moving on. I I thought that was going to be a good analogy, but that's what God does for us. When there's a gap, when we can't get to the person that we love, here's who Jesus is. God, through Jesus, reconciles the world to himself. In a world that is constantly asking you to prove yourself, I'm so thankful that Jesus says, come on. 
come as you are in a world that is always showing you ways that you don't measure up. Jesus says you are more than enough in a world that says you have to do to get, that you have to give to receive. Jesus showed up in the form of a baby to turn the world upside down through grace to let us know that you don't have to do to get, that you don't have to give to receive. You give because you've already received and Jesus showed up just to let us know he wants one thing and one thing alone from you. He wants a relationship. He wants your heart in spite of our sin, in spite of our failure, in spite of the ways that we fall short. The mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father, the Creator of the universe, the Creator of time and space. Sidebar to that, I don't know if you know this, but he created time and, and space. Uh, if you ever thought about that, we're just going to take a little moment, a little time out just to think about it. So before time began, there was, there was God. Okay, so, so for how long? Well, forever. So, okay. So then, then there's time and space, and then time's going to end one day, and then, then there's going to be God forever. Remember, we're talking about things that we don't know. We can still worship him. That, that was just a sidebar to all of that. There's so much that we don't know that we can't imagine, but the creator of time and space chooses me. The creator of the universe chooses you, but he doesn't just choose you. He wants something for you. Side note to all the millennials in the house or maybe somebody that's dating, here's what true love is. True love always wants something for you, not something from you. If you're in a relationship, they always want something from you. That's not love. True love says, I want something for you. And here's what Jesus wants for you. He wants love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That is what he wants for you. So point number one, if you're taking notes, these are the things that I love about Christmas. I love that Christmas is about the unexpected. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is one of over a hundred prophecies declaring that this Messiah is coming. And I just think that it's only natural for people to form some sort of expectation of what they thought he was going to look like. They believed that he was going to look a certain way and talk a certain way and act a certain way. And the truth is I don't really blame them. But here's what I know about Jesus. He's not in the business of meeting expectations. He's in the business of blowing expectations out of the water because what they were expecting was an earthly kingdom, a temporary fix. Maybe it was even rooted in some selfish motives, but what Jesus wanted to do in their lives wasn't temporary and it wasn't for an earthly kingdom. Jesus shows up as a tiny baby that poops and pees and stinks. Sorry, I just changed the diaper earlier today, and it's just real fresh. It's not beautiful. It's not amazing. I mean, the moms in here will be like, I was in love like the first day, but it took me at least six months. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. When they start sleeping, I can start loving them. It's just, wow, I feel judgment. I was just joking. I loved them at first sight. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Look, our, our youngest son, Houston, didn't, uh, <laughs> he didn't start sleeping through the night until he was six months old. If me and my wife are a little jumpy and jittery, it's because we haven't fully, like, recovered. Like, every, like, three in the morning alarm, I'm like, why is he crying? I don't understand. <laughs> That's what Jesus, the God of the universe, showed up as. Not with power, not with might. He showed up as a fragile little baby. 
And here's why. Because he wanted us to know that he was coming down on our level, not making us get to his Maybe you're missing what God wants to do in your life because you have some misplaced expectations. Maybe you feel like God should show up in your life and look like this and talk like this and act like this. And and maybe you're just wanting a temporary fix to a problem. Or maybe it's about you and your little earthly kingdom. Or maybe, let's just be honest, you just hope to benefit in some way. But here's what I say. If my expectation is limiting you, Jesus, then blow my expectation out of the water. Do it, Lord. Destroy the idol of my expectation. I'm not going to put you in some sort of space, in some sort of box that says you've got to look like this and talk like this and act like this. Here's what I say, God. Show up in my life. Wreck my plans. Ruin my agenda. Do what only you can do. What are your expectations for this new year? What are your expectations for yourself? What's your expectations for your family, for 2020, for you, for your life? Let Jesus blow those expectations out of the water. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says he can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can even ask and or think. So here's what that means. He wants to do more than you've been asking for, more than you've been dreaming for, more than you've been hoping for. Oh, come on, in 2020, I'm believing for some big things in this new year. I'm believing for him to do what only he can do. I'm believing for him to do some amazing things. I'm believing for lost people to be saved, for lives to be transformed, for marriages to get put back together, for blessings beyond what you can imagine. But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to limit him with my expectations. Don't let your expectations limit a limitless God. Point number two, the second thing that I love about Christmas is that Christmas is about not being afraid. When Jesus showed up, the shepherds are terrified. And the first thing that the angels say to the shepherds is this, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of a great gift. And that's always just kind of been funny to me because they show up with good news of a great gift, but the shepherd's response is fear. Isn't it crazy? You hear good news. There's a good gift coming. And our response so many times as human and as humanity is fear. There just might be something in your life that Jesus wants to do, but the fear in your heart keeps you from accepting what he wants to do in your life. A second time, the angel appears to Mary. What does he say? Do not be afraid. In the same sentence that God says, uh, guess what? You're favored. Uh, Life's going to be amazing. Uh, You're going to have the Son of God. It's going to be incredible. God has to remind her, do not be afraid. Here's what I know about life and God and ministry. When you see God's hand is on you, he's going to lead you to places that you've never been. He's going to put you in situations that you just might be unprepared for. But can I tell you, the Holy Spirit has already prepared you. Here was my prayer at the beginning of 2019. Got me, God put me in rooms that I don't belong in. Guess what? He did it. <laughs> I'm here. I didn't know that God had something better for me planned that I didn't even know anything about. I wasn't prepared. I didn't think I was prepared. But guess what? The Holy Spirit said, you're prepared. Joseph, 
do not be afraid. Abraham, you're going to have a son, the thing you've been dreaming for. Do not be afraid. Sarah, I know you've been praying for this son is coming, but, but guess what? Don't be afraid. Joshua, you're going to lead a great army. Do not be afraid. Elijah, do not be afraid. Daniel, do not be afraid. Ruth, do not be afraid. Esther, do not be afraid. The disciples, do not be afraid. What's tormenting you today? What are you scared of? What do you have anxiety about? Here's the message that God wants you to hear. Do not be afraid. In 2019, what's made you afraid? Here's the message that God wants you to hear. Do not be afraid. What are you afraid of in 2020? Do not be afraid. There is no fear in God's love because perfect love drives out all fear. Here's what you need to know here tonight. I'm bringing you good news of a great gift. Jesus is madly in love with you, so hold your head up high. Don't be scared. Don't fear any evil. Do not be afraid because fear may be present, but it doesn't have to get in you. Don't let fear stop you from receiving the gift that he has for you. Don't let fear stop you from your destiny. Don't let fear stop you from your calling. Don't let fear stop you from leading. Don't let fear stop you from serving. So many times in our lives when God gives you a gift, it's going to bring more worry than blessing at the beginning. But I tell you again, do not be afraid. Point number three, the things that I love about Christmas is that Christmas is about perfect timing. Here's what I've learned throughout my life and just the way life goes is that many times there's delays in what you think is going to happen. And sometimes delays can lead to disappointment. And how many know that life always and sometimes has a way of disappointing all of us in some form or fashion. Disappointment in and of itself is not the worst thing ever, but unaddressed disappointment, staying in that disappointment will give way to defeat. And if you live long enough in defeat, it will lead you to despair. Can I tell you today that I've had my fair share of delays. I felt called to the ministry at age 17. I remember where I was at. I remember the arena in Atlanta, Georgia that I laid on and told God, I'll lay my life down. I'll do anything for you at 17. There's a lot that happened from 17 to 30. And I felt that calling every step of the way. I worked off the north slope of Alaska. I was in South Africa. I worked on drilling rigs all over the world, knowing that wasn't my calling, knowing that wasn't my purpose, knowing that that was not what I was supposed to be doing, but knowing that God had something more for me, but it was a delay. And delay led to disappointment. And for many of us, Christmas can remind us of our disappointments. Christmas can remind us of maybe even despair. Christmas is so many times a reminder that someone is missing that should be there. It's something I've had to wrestle with throughout my life and it's in moments like those that I'm sitting at Christmas thinking about somebody that should be there or thinking about how I could have done something different or done something better and I think about it and it just feels like to be honest that this Jesus that I've preached about and talked about 
doesn't always seem so mighty. Why, why was there delay? Why was there disappointment? If you've got it all in your hands, why isn't the way that it's supposed to be in my life? But if there's anything that I've learned in life is that his timing is always perfect. And if you hear anything that I say here tonight, hear this. You can't mistake God's patience for his absence. I'm, I'm going to say that again. You can't mistake God's patience for his absence. And this is what Christmas is. The moment that God came to us in the form of a person. And the Christmas story shows us that when God wants to bless you, he sends a person. That when God wants to fix your world, he sends a relationship. God always knows the right people to bring into your world at the right time and the right place. When I needed a mentor, God sent me a person. When I needed someone to help me, God sent me a person. You have to trust God's timing because he knows what you need when you need it. My last point, point number four is this. This is my favorite part about Christmas. Christmas is about partying with a purpose. You know, this has been a theme for our students and for our young adults. It's become a core value to us, and we've talked about it a lot, and we've, we've made it something that we really try to live by. We like to party, but with a purpose. I think many times the church has failed the next generation because they've made it seem like people in the world have more fun than people in the church, and I'm here to tell the church, hey, we have more fun than people in the world because we wake up and we remember it. Jesus didn't come to this earth to make us prominent, but he did come to make us purposeful. And your purpose is always found in your identity, and your identity is always found in Jesus. And you can be rest assured that you are who Jesus says that you are, and you are here on purpose and for a purpose. Tonight, I, I close with this. As you enjoy the holiday season... As you spend time with family and friends and you go to Christmas parties and you wear ugly sweaters <laughs> or pajamas to pajama parties. I don't know whose great idea that was, but I had to wear pajamas last night to a party. By the way, one of our young adult members on our team, she told me, she was like, I'm glad you, know, you didn't wear a sweater with your face on it because your kids would have thought it was an ugly sweater contest. You should feel bad for me again. You feel bad? Yeah, that's good. All right. Tonight I close with this, that as you walk through these holiday parties, and this is a season to celebrate, I want to give you three reasons tonight why you should party with a purpose. If you party with a purpose, you take time to remember what God has done for you. And there's so many times that we forget to remember. And I think in the middle of our busy lives, we forget to just stop and say thank you. But here's what I want to tell you here tonight, that, that if you're here tonight, if, if you've made it to this point, 
if you got up and got out of bed and made it to this church service tonight, if you're alive, if you're breathing, if you have friends, if you have family, if you were able to eat today, this is cause for celebration. There's a reason for you to have joy in your life. Second reason, if you party with the purpose, you take time to share what God has done for you. Psalm chapter 78, verses three through five says this, things that we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us, we will not hide them from our descendants, from our children, but we'll tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, of his power and the wonders that he has done. So here's what I say, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, when you're partying with your friends and your family, talk about what God has done. Tell stories of his goodness. Build some faith because as we sit around this Christmas season, here's what Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Tell the story. Talk about what Jesus has done in your family. Tell your kids how if it wasn't for God, I don't know how we would have made it to this place. And here's what's going to happen. Your kids are going to want to tell their kids. And their kids are going to tell their kids. Because while we tell our story, it's actually not our story. It's his story. And we aren't telling people what we've done. We are telling people what he has done. And we can all stand. My last reason of why we should party with a purpose is this. When we party with a purpose, we take time to honor what God has done. And we know that gifts are a part of Christmas because the best way to honor what God has done is to give. We honor God by being generous. Generous not just with our money or our treasure, but generous with our time and with our talents. And tonight you may be saying, this is not a fun season. This is not a fun time. I'm in the middle of a major struggle. My marriage is falling apart. My finances are in disarray. What do I have to celebrate? I'm going through a mess right now. How could I possibly party with a purpose? How could I party with a purpose during this Christmas season? I've lost someone dear. How could I possibly? Tonight, I just wanna tell you my reason. I celebrate, I party with the purpose because if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here and the enemy thought he could take me out. The enemy thought he could destroy me. The enemy thought he could stop me, but I'm still here. So this is why I serve the way I serve. This is why I give the way I give. This is why I love the way I love. And there is always a reason to celebrate because 2,000 years ago, a baby was born and his name is Jesus. And we didn't have to go to him. He came to us. So may we never forget to party with a purpose. May we never forget to share what he's done. May we never forget to honor by giving. May we never forget to remember. Can we just put our hands together all over this place and say thank you, Jesus.